Uh, we're continuing today in our study of Tehillim, um, Kufiud Gimel through Kufiud Chet, which is Hallel, in anticipation of both Yom Yerushalayim coming up a week from this Friday and of Shavuot coming up two weeks from this Friday. And uh, remains to be seen if we'll finish before Yom Yerushalayim, before Shavuot, but let's start with this. We're at per- we're per- Kuftad Zayin which is another one of the two prakim, just as Kuf Tadvav, that is uh, traditionally split, and even uh, graphically in our Sidurim often is written in different size type, because we um, we skip the first 11 psukim when we're saying Hallel as a minhag. We talked about this last time. Uh, and here is that um, the, that story again. Rav Iqal Bavel Chazina de Kakaru Halila Bereshiarcha, Right, Rav saw that they were saying Hal and Rosh Chodesh, and he wanted to stop them. When he saw that they were skipping something, he said, "Ah, it's min hagavotem biyadehem." And then the Rambam, uh, we saw this already, but the Rambam points out here in Hilchot Chanukah, in Paragimel, that there are that there's a minhag to read um, Halal on Rosh Chodesh and on the rest of the days of Pesach, and this minhag is only b'tzibur and not biachid. Uh, that means if you are davening alone on Rosh Chodesh, then you don't say it at all. And um, and the Rambam's position also is you do not make a bracha on this. We're going to touch on this topic in a minute. Um, but the Rambam says that in order to, part uh, as we saw in the Gemara, that we skip part of it. And then in the next halacha, he says, here's what we skip. Now, I'll just point out what the Rambam says. The Rambam says, how do we skip? We skip, we read from the beginning of Halal, until which means the two first two paragraphs. Then which is exactly what we do. We skip Lolanu. And then Then you skip Ahavti and say Mashiv. But you skip Ad Hallelujah. I mean you say Mashiv Hallelujah, and then Mina which means you skip the whole but you also skip the, the back and forth. And then he says that's the common minhag, and other places have other minhagim, which means the Ramam seems to be saying that the main thing to do is to skip something. In other words, as long as you're not saying a full halal, then it's okay to say it on these other days, which are not commanded days of halal, i.e., Rosh Chodesh and Cholomoy Pesach and the last day of Pesach. Uh, one thing that we skipped over last time was the Rambam here says that because it's a minhag to say halal on Rosh Chodesh and, and, and rest of Pesach, you don't make a bracha on it. Because the Rambam's position is that you do not make a bracha on a minhag. And that's based on a sugi on the fourth parak of Sukkah about, uh, about Aravad. The Ravad here says the following. And in the end of Hilchot Brachot, the Ravad already registered his protest against the Rambam about not saying a bracha on this. That's a separate issue. But the, but the Ravad here alludes to what he said in Hilchot Brachot, which is that, indeed, you do say a bracha, and as you know, this is actually a machloket of minhagim. The minhag of a dota mizrach is not to say a bracha on hal on Rosh Chodesh. And so therefore, a week from Sunday, um, they what they'll do is after they finish Shmon Esrei, they'll immediately just say hallelujah. 
and finish until the last Hodu Hashem Kitov, and then say the Kaddish, and there's no bracha before or afterwards. Uh, the Minhag Ashkenaz is to say a bracha, the Orch HaShulchan suggests that if you are dominating in a minion on Rosh Chodesh, it's preferable to listen to the Shliach Tzibur, say the bracha, and just say Amen, to avoid the conflict, and then continue with Halal, and that indeed is what I do on Rosh Chodesh and for the uh, rest of Pesach after the first days. Okay, but now we want to get to our parak. But I want to, at, along the way, point out what the logic is between behind the division of the parak into two. The Hainu that we skip when we want to have a skip, we skip this section here, the first eleven sukim, but we do read the last eight. Now, one thing to point out about this parak is the size of this parak is actually something subject to some discussion. In our traditional Tanakh, and uh, in all the Tanakhim that I've seen printed, uh, and the way that we reckon it, this parak has 19 sukim. you see them in front of you, and they're divided in, again, graphically, into the first 11 and the next 8, because the first 11 are often smaller print, and there's a little note there, don't say this over Shodesh, etc., and then Mashiv is bigger, Mashiv has some songs, <laughs> Mashiv is bigger, and Mashiv, because it said anytime you'd say hello. However, um, the Meiri points out that uh, in, in his version, this parak actually had 21 psukim. What are the 21 psukim? That was all part of the parak. Now, that's, of course, the answer to the very famous trivia question, which is what's the shortest parak in Tanakh? And the answer is Tilim Kufiot Zayin to psukim. But that's if you regard that as a separate parak. The Meiri suggests it was actually part of the uh, part of this parak. Uh, by the way, he, I'm, I'm suggesting maybe he didn't have the word hallelujah here at the end of parak pasuk uh, yotet because it's not the end of the parak. And that, that, by the way, fits in with something that I mentioned a couple weeks ago or a couple sessions ago about this. That uh, how many prakim of tehillim do we have in the entire collection? So ask anybody on the street; they'll tell you 150. However, if you look at some very late Midrashim, they suggest that there were 147 prakim of Tilim, corresponding to the 147 years of Yaakov's life, which would mean that the collection of Tilim that we have was broken up differently, such that the same text that's divided into 150 Mizmorim was divided differently into 147. Now, that's not so unusual because the Gemara already does that. The Gemara makes the, uh, makes the claim the Perak Aleph and Bet of Tilim were originally one Perak, and that then, for whatever reason, it was divided. There's good reason to think that Perak Tet and Yod were originally one Perak, and then at some point got divided. Um, and so, um, if also, if you looked at, at the Septuagint, the Septuagint, the way that they number the, the Tilim, is also one off here, so that, for instance, Ashtra, which we have is 145, is there 146. So and and the reality is that many parkim of tilim could be uh, divided differently or presented differently. And I'll give you one other example for something we're all familiar with, which is Perak Kufmem Zayin that we say every day in Psukei Zimra. Kitov That one that ends with Amagid the Yaakov. If you look at it, you can see either one parak. That's what we're used to. You could see two parkim, or you could see three parkim. And indeed, the Septuagint divides that into two parkim. Shabchi Rushalayim being the beginning of the next parak. Because the reality is that there's a lot of different ways to divide them. When you have a clear marker like Hallelujah at the beginning, Hallelujah at the end, 
that makes it a little easier to see it as a um, as a separate parak with a clear end and beginning. Okay, now to our parak, and we have to accomplish our usual four goals that we have with Tehillim. The first is to make sure we understand the words. Then we have to understand the structure of the parak, which actually is fairly walks itself. The third is we have to understand what the message is of the parak. And then, of course, whenever we're dealing with the liturgical parak, meaning a parak we use in our liturgy, what's it doing there? Why is it there? So the answer to the fourth question is going to be a little bit, not exactly a no-brainer, but it's sort of an automatic thing because it's part, it's folded into the prakim that we say in Hallel. So I'm going to rephrase that fourth question as, why is this part of Hallel? Meaning, why do these prakim of Hallel include this sentiment? So we have to see what it is. I'm going to add a fifth question that really is a question you always have to ask when you're studying Tehillim, which is, who composed it? Or shall we say, who's saying it? Now, I don't, I'm not looking for a name or social security number. What I mean is, the parak reflects somebody who has gone through a particular experience or is going through an experience. What experience? All right, so for instance, that we say every day is clearly about going to war. Now look at the parak, it's a war, war parak. Right? Uh, is clearly of sorts. A person's on a journey. Right? And so the question is, what's the setting of this particular parak? But let's start from the beginning, go through it, make sure we understand the words. By the way, the words in this parak are not easy. Right? And again, it suffers from the same problem that we have with many parakitilim, is we're so familiar with them, and the words roll off our lips, that we don't pay attention to how difficult the words are. All right, so we start from the beginning, and it is clearly a new parak because the previous line was hallelujah. And it was a response to the cult of the dead, and it was a blessing for fertility, and everything we saw uh, two weeks ago when we looked at the previous parak. And so now, you understand the difficulty in the first word. Ahavti means I love. I love what? So now, a lot of that will depend on how you translate the word key. Is key because, key is when, key is is if. Well, what does it mean? But either way you slice it, the word ahavti is difficult because ahavti needs to take an object. Ahavti aruchat sorayim. Ahavti et Hashem. Ahavti et ishti. Whatever it is. Ahavti is missing what it is you love. So if you say it's ahavti ki yishma Adonai, in other words, I love the fact that God listens to me, then it should have been I love God listening to me. Right? So there's there's something a little bit awkward about the wording. And the end of the Pasuk is et koli tachanunai. Now it's also awkward because God listens to what? He listens to my voice, and then tachanunai is my petition. But you understand the problem here. Is it et koli and he also listens to my petition? Then it should be et koli. If, on the other hand, he listens to the voice of my petition, it should be, And besides which, as we have other elsewhere in Tilim, you might have argued he should have said, like, But we can work around that last problem, but still, what is it that it's being expressed here? So Ibn Ezra quotes... Somebody who suggests that the yod at the end of koli is actually an enclitic yod, meaning a poetic yod, like you have in uh, 
in Moshivi Akaratabayit and Mekimi Afradal, which mean the word really is at Kol Tachnunai. That would solve the problem. We still have the larger problem with the Ahavti. It gets more difficult in the next Pasuk. Ki Taoznoli, and here Ki seems to be because he has lent his ear towards me, meaning God is attending to me, and that's again, God listening to me. Uviyamaya Kra. Now, Yamaya Kra, I mean, I don't know how they translate it in English. I didn't put a translation there because they're all awkward. But Uviyamaya Kra literally means I call out in my days. What does that mean? So Tur Sinai makes a suggestion here on both Ahavti and Uviyamai, which actually brings this into a real strong relief. He says, first of all, let's think what the setting is. Here's somebody who clearly has experienced something difficult and called out to God, and God listened to him. And as a matter of fact, God listened to him, and therefore he's in the Mikdash. What's he in the Mikdash doing? Thanking God. Matter of fact, what's the best way to thank God? You come to the Mikdash for God listening to you and helping you out of trouble. It's called Korban Todah. That's what you're supposed to do. So he suggests that a Havti is really a what we call Sikul Otiot, a metathesis where the letters are jumbled of the word Heveti, meaning I brought a Korban, Ki Yishma I brought a korban because God listened to my petition. And now that sounds a little awkward, but then take a look at the next phrase. The word biyamai has everybody confused, and everybody has a different take on it because it's hard to figure out. Tursin, I suggest that yamai, and by the way, we're not un, we're not unused to Aramaisms in the biblical text. I mean, in the Hebrew part of the biblical text, you have it in Vizotabracha, Atami Rivot Kodesh. It's an Aramaic word. We have Aramaisms in Bilam's Brachot, and in poetry especially, we're going to have Aramaisms. The word Yoma or Yamai in Aramaic means to take an oath. Uh, take a look in Unklus, whenever it's Nishpat's Ome. So he suggests that what it means is Uviyamaya Kra, meaning I called out to him with an oath. Meaning, I, pled to, I pleaded before God, I called to God, and I made an oath. And what was the oath, of course? If God helps me, I'm going to bring a korban. That's the oath. And we're going to see how that plays out throughout the parrot. Now, and that, that's the introduction. By the way, in any way you slice it, those first two psukim are an introduction. And then Pasuk Gimel begins a description of what he went through. So he says, Afafuni chevle mavet. Afuni clearly means to surround me. I was surrounded by chevle mavet. Now, chevle mavet seems to mean Hangs of death, although that's a strange phrase, but it may mean bonds of death, like ropes that are trying to drag me down. And that fits with the next unusual phrase, Now notice, by the way, the, the alliteration, in the next part, right? which gives us a feeling about Mitzrayim, maybe, perhaps. Mitzareh Sha'ol, the, 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 the narrow area towards Sha'ol. Sha'ol, of course, is death, is the underground, the, the world of the dead. Mitzauni. So Mitzareh Sha'ol is also a difficult word. So it's the suggestion, and I recommend the suggestion, is Mitzareh from Litzror, meaning to tie. And matches Chevlei Mavet. So now you have a perfect parallelism, Afafuni Chevlei Mavet, 
And parallel to Chavle Mavid is Mitzaray Shaol. The knots, meaning like there's ropes of Shaol that are trying to drag me down. And Mitzauni, they found me, which means like wherever I go, I'm, I'm this thing is nailing me, which wherever I turn, death is there. Saravi Agon Emsa, meaning they found me, and what did I find? Notice Mitzauni and Emsa, the ropes of death found me, and so Saravi Agon, pain and suffering, I found. So what happened? Uveshem Adonai Ekra. Now, this is an unusual thing, and I'm sure you've all been sensitive to it. What kind of way is that to start a sentence? Uveshem Adonai Ekra. But you'll see that it, he's setting it up at, to create a, um, a, a, par a parallel, an inclusio, really, with uh, a later pasuk, as we'll see in a moment. Uveshem Adonai Ekra, I called out in God's name. And what did I say? Anna Adonai Malatan Nafshi. Malatan is a poetic form of Malait. Hashem, please save my life. And now he makes an observation about what happened to him. Chanun Adonai Vitzadik. God is gracious. God is righteous. Ve'eloheinu Murachem. And he is compassionate, which he's saying because I called out to God, please save me. And he's interjecting praise for God because guess what? God saved him. And then he has yet another observation about God. Shomer p'taim Adonai. Now, a peti, a word which is a popular Mishle word, is a fool, but a peti is really a corruptible person. That's what it means, because he's easily seduced. So somebody who's easily seduced, meaning somebody who doesn't have strong will and a strong backbone and is easily corrupted by sin, God protects him. Now, does that mean God protects him when he sins? Because God says, Nebuch, he's not so strong. Or does it mean God protects him from sin? So let's see the second half of that pasuk. Daloti v'li Yoshia. Now, Daloti means I became low. Does it mean I became low in sin? Or I became low in my stature because of the affliction of that? But v'li Yoshia, he saved me. So however it is, it's somebody who was recognizing that it was his own failure to be strong, to have self-control, to not sin, that led him to this place of danger where death was knocking at his door, and he called out to God, and God, who was compassionate, didn't let me go all the way down. And then he says, Shuvi nafshi li ki adonai Now, menuchaychi and alaychi are sort of archaic suffixes for minuchatech and alayich. But it also fits the poem, the, the, the rhyme of shuvi, right, so that sort of feel. But meaning, my, my life should restore itself, and it's as if I'm talking to my soul, to myself, and saying, return to your rest. Not rest as in death, but rest as in calmness. Don't be so afraid. Why? Because God has had, now, Gamal is a little unstrange here. So most of Shonim read it as, God has had has paid you, meaning paid you in, in kindness. The Malian has an interesting take here. He says, Gamal actually means to repay appropriately, meaning a reward or punishment. And he, and he says what the person is saying is a brilliant insight. What the person is saying, I told myself, relax, because whatever God's doing to you is just. And if you're suffering right now, that's just suffering. And by the way, it means you'll be out of it when the suffering's over and you will have paid your debt, as it were. 
And now he says, he says, Ki chilatzta nafshi mimavet et dima et And he turns back to God. And he says, <laughs> saved my life from death. Moreover, you saved my eyes from crying. You saved my legs from falling down. In other words, he says, not only did you save me from death, and this is what he's declaring here in the Mikdash, you even saved me from pain. You even saved me from going in the wrong direction. Which means now I can declare, I can walk, not crawl, walk, in the presence of God, in the land of the living. Now, we like to make also drushes about it. Being Israel. Simple read is, I didn't die. I'm in the land of the living. I'm here in this world, and I'm able to walk in this world. And then he has a reflection about how he was feeling when this was going on, when he was in trouble. He says, And kir means when. I really believed it when I said, now, this is a parenthetic statement. He said, I was really suffering, meaning I really believed it when I said, I'll tell you in a minute what I said, but I was really suffering when I said this. So look at those two together. Meaning, I believed it when I was speaking, when I was really in trouble. And what did I say? Now, I'm not sure how they how translations deal with and I'm sure there's some vari variations. But we would normally translate that as all men are liars. But unfortunately, in Tilim, that's actually a legitimate position, not an errant position. Think about Tilim Kuf Memvav, that we say right after Ashray every morning, right? Don't trust people. So I think what Kol Adam Kozevir is a different Kol Adam. It doesn't mean all people. Think about the most famous Kol Hadam, which is, of course, the end of Kohelet. Kizek Kol Hadam. Kol Hadam doesn't mean all people. It means entire existence of a person. When I was in trouble, I said, Kol Hadam Kozev. My entire life is ridiculous. My entire life is senseless. My entire life is meaningless. But I said it when I was in trouble. I said it when I was depressed, when I was worried, when I was... And now that God has saved me, and then I've realized that when I called out to God... God had compassion over me. And again, we have no idea what this guy was going through. Whatever it was, was clearly a mortal danger. He made an oath to bring a korban. And now when he brings the korban, he's telling his story. And this is his story. Like we saw in Tilim Lamed. Same thing. A person's bringing a korban and they're telling a story about what God did for them, which is why they're in the Mikdash bringing this korban. And that's part of the Todah. Part of the Todah is telling people about it and publicizing Hashem's name. It's interesting halacha, just as an aside, but not just an aside, such, such an aside. A korban todah is a shlamim. Shlamim are normally eaten for two days and the night in between. Korban todah must be eaten that day. Now imagine, you've got a cow. How do you eat a cow in a day? All right, so there's chalavim on the, on the mizbeach, and there's to the coin. doesn't matter. How do you eat a cow in a day? So the answer is very simple. You have thousand people at a party. You invite everybody you know and everybody you don't know and all the anim, all of your shalim, they come together and you bring the, the, the cow out and you start at nine o'clock in the morning and a big party and every once in a while, what do you do? You get up and say, tell a story. Shevach Hashem. 
And over the course of that day, how many thousands of people come through your party and they hear the story and you publicize Nisei Hashem? And so he says, that's what I, I was thinking my life was meaningless. And what I now came to realize as a result of Hashem saving me is every step is meaningful. Every moment is meaningful. And this is where I am. And so then what did I say to myself? Ma shiv ladonai. How can I possibly bring something back to Hashem? Kol tag mulohi alai. For all the things, again, Gamal, that he has paid me. All the things Hashem has done. How can I possibly pay him? So the answer is to this first. First of all, I'm going to pick up a cup of salvation. This may mean literally a cup of wine to thank Hashem Baruch Hu. Now notice, here closes off here. In Pasuk Dawid, near the beginning of the parak, introduces his whole story, what he went through. And now, after he's been saved, he asks, how can I possibly pay Hashem? The answer is of Hashem Adonai Akra. And notice how critical this is. I called out to God when I was in trouble. I call out to God when I'm saved. I call out to God and say, please. And then I say, thank you. A teacher of mine was at Sanchan. And he told me that all the Sanchanim, even the ones who weren't observant, before they would jump, they would say that special tefillah tadarach that was composed for Sanchanim. And he reminded them, okay, you say that when you jump, but when you land, you should also say toda. Very powerful thing. This is Uvashem Adonai Kra in Thanksgiving. And now what does he declare? What neder? Whenever there's a neder, a neder can be two kinds of nedarim. There's nedarim in Masachat Nedarim, which is abstaining. And there's nedarim in Kodshim, which is to bring a korban. Anytime you talk about l'shalem, that's talking about a korban. I made a neder, and I'm going to bring my neder, by the way, which is connects very much with the end of the second parak of Yonah. Right? That which I committed to, I will pay. That's the korban. That's what I was just talking about. I'm going to bring my korban in pre the presence of everybody. And then he says this odd line, Yakar Now the word yakar has almost two opposite meanings that are one which means it's very heavy in the sense of it's very precious or it's very it's very um, of great concern, of great like weight in a negative way. When Hashem's followers, Hashem's chasidav die, it's yakar b'nei Adonai. And he may be saying that because he's saying, I'm identifying as one of chasidei Hashem. And Hashem did not want to lose me. It was very precious to him. I was very precious to him, and he didn't want to lose me. It was a very heavy price to pay. And so I feel comfortable in that company, and I'm honored to be in that company, but identify myself in that company, and therefore I'm still here. And then he turns around, and in the middle of all of this Thanksgiving, goes back to tefillah. But that's not unusual. In the next parak, in the big next parak, Kufi Yilchet, we'll see it again. In the middle of Zeh, Yom, the next pasuk is, Anadonai Yashi, Anadonai Yashlichan. And so he says, Anadonai, Anad, please. Ki aniavdecha. Yes, I'm one of Hasid Hashem, but I aniavdecha. I am your servant. Aniavdecha ben avatecha. My mom was your servant. My parents are loyal to you. Pitachta the Moserai. You have opened my bonds, meaning I was held down, whether it was held down by affliction or held down by sin, you have un unfettered it. 
And therefore, lacha is bach. Here he goes. Zevach toda. Here's your korban toda. And uveshem Adonai ekra. And now, uveshem Hashem ekra. Comes back again. The uveshem Hashem ekra at the beginning was I call out to God in pain. The uveshem Hashem ekra here is I call out to God in just spontaneous thanksgiving. And here it's a formal thank you with the korban. And he repeats. Publicly, but I believe that what he's saying here is this is what I said back then when I was thanking God, because what did I commit to? Where am I going to do it? I'm going to do it right in Hashem's yard, right in Hashem's Azarah, right in the midst of Yerushalayim. And then everybody answers, hallelujah. What well, we see in this gorgeous parak, and you understand why we break it where we do, because we pick it up with the Thanksgiving part. We don't really want to be afflicted by the painful part of it. What we see in this parak is an individual having experienced salvation, coming to the Mikdash, telling his story, telling that he committed to bring a korban in Yerushalayim to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu publicly. When, if Hashem saves him, and Hashem did save him, and now he's fulfilling his nadir, he's doing it publicly for several reasons. He's doing it, first of all, because he wants to publicize Hashem's chesed and rachamim for him. Second of all, he wants to inspire people that they should react the same way. Third of all, he wants people to never give up. Shomer p'tayim Hashem, don't worry. You make a mistake, Hashem will take care of it. Hashem is going to rachum you. It was rachum for me. And fourth of all, I think he wants to inspire people to bring korbanot. Now, why is this in Hallel? The reality is we just answered that question. Because all of Hallel is about thanking our Kodesh Baruch Hu for saving us. Thanking our Kodesh Baruch Hu for redeeming us from the whatever straits we were in. And whether it's the straits of Abdut Mitzrayim or it was the straits of 1967 or the straits of 1948, at whatever point we say Hallel, we're thanking our Kodesh Baruch Hu for that. And he is this this petitioner is giving us the strongest, clearest model of how we ought to be doing that. And uh, and now we have the beautiful words with which to praise our Kodesh Baruch Hu. Yes. Yeah. Very much like the Ladavid prayer.